Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Jane Savage and welcome to Different, the podcast that's helping to improve the lives of neurotypicals in the workplace. The previous episode of Different was about understanding the diagnostic criteria for neurotypical disorder and what signs and symptoms to look out for if you're worried that someone in your life might be suffering from this disorder. Since that episode went to air, I've been inundated with emails from listeners who've let me know about their own personal experiences with neurotypicals, and they've been asking me for advice on how to best support them integrate into normal society. Many of the emails were from people who had realised that someone they work with might be neurotypical. This can come as quite a surprise because we often think of neurotypical disorder as something that only affects children. But as I always say, every neurotypical child grows up into a neurotypical adult, so it does make sense that we might encounter neurotypicals in all sorts of places, including the workplace. Honestly, it is just so inspirational to see so many neurotypical individuals getting out there and chasing their career goals in spite of the nearly insurmountable challenges they face. It reminds me of something Christopher Reeve once said. He said, A hero is an ordinary individual who finds the strength to persevere and endure in spite of overwhelming obstacles. Now, here in Australia, we're quite lucky at the moment because we have a very low unemployment rate, the lowest it's ever been, in fact. And we know that neurotypicals have a predisposition to being great in job interviews because of their inflated self-confidence and their addiction to social contact, which helps them to present as intelligent, charming team players. But in spite of this, around 4% of Australian neurotypicals remain unemployed. This damning statistic is a reminder about how many barriers to employment neurotypicals face in spite of their supreme interview skills. We know that diversity is important in any workplace. Having representation from all different demographics can lead to stronger project planning, happier staff, and higher productivity. So we need to strive for diversity from a business perspective, but it's also the ethical thing to do. Neurotypicals should have access to employment opportunities the same as anyone else. And of course, normal people tend to have a very strong justice sensitivity And we genuinely want what's best for everyone, including neurotypicals, even if that means enduring them in our own places of work. But supporting diversity means we need to put structures and strategies in place so that we can get the best out of the neurotypicals that we work with. A great place to start is to simply assume that someone that you're working with is suffering from neurotypical disorder or that someone like this might be employed in the future. There are ways that we can set up workplaces to get the most out of neurotypicals, and you might just find that normal people benefit from some of these things as well. We need to think about the office layout. Avoid having an open plan office and never ever entertain the idea of hot desking. Hot desking is when staff do not have their own designated desk and everybody's required to show up and find any available desk each day. If the sheer thought of this sends you into an out-of-control spiral of panic, then you are completely normal. I'm certain that a neurotypical must have come up with open plan offices and the idea of hot desking. 
This layout is uncomfortable for most people and can negatively impact the productivity of the office, especially if there are neurotypicals working there. For a neurotypical, open plan offices can trigger challenging behaviours relating to their pathological obsessions with socialising. It can be hard for them to effectively manage their urges to socialise with any co-worker they see is not on the phone, and they often minimise the distraction that they're causing by claiming it's networking. If your workplace has an office for every staff member, or if staff are able to work from home, this will help to minimise the distractions that can be caused by individuals with neurotypical disorder. Another way to make sure your workplace is neurotypical friendly is to provide training to all staff about neurotypical disorder. There are specialist consultants that you can bring in to help staff to understand what the disorder is and ways that they can support their NT colleagues. I've facilitated training like this in many different workplaces and I always find that most people benefit from learning the skills required to make mundane chit-chat. Neurotypical individuals thrive in an environment where small talk is integrated into their day. Of course, normal people can struggle with this and they often find it awkward or pointless, but for neurotypical people, chit-chat isn't about what's being said. When neurotypicals engage in chit-chat, they are often perceiving non-verbal messages that give them a sense of belonging. For them, chatting about unimportant and often uninteresting things for a few minutes every time they pass someone in the hall helps them to decipher which people they might like to socialise with more often. However, you need to be aware that small talk can bring certain risks with it. Not only can neurotypicals find a sense of belonging when they discuss the weather with pretty much strangers, and that's great, but many neurotypicals will attempt to engage in small talk with increasing frequency and they may attempt to stretch the time that each interaction takes. If left unchecked, this type of boundary pushing can lead to a dramatic decline in productivity as the neurotypical attempts to capitalise on the time of their co-workers. It's important to establish boundaries and a routine around social chit-chat that the neurotypical can understand and benefit from. I recommend using opportunities to socialise and make small talk as a reward for correct behaviour. We know that a key part of this disorder is often the only thing that motivates a neurotypical individual to do anything at all is their obsessive thoughts about socialising. You can turn this weakness into a strength by incorporating social chit-chat into a reward system at work. For example, withholding opportunities to socialise until the neurotypical has completed certain work goals can be extremely motivating for neurotypical people. Another thing that we can do to support our neurotypical colleagues is to have some visual cues such as posters or signs around the office and at reception to indicate that this is a safe place for neurotypicals. This can help neurotypical individuals to feel more comfortable in asking for support when they need it. Visual cues are a simple way to let people know that at your workplace, People are open-minded about neurotypical disorder and are here to help make life a bit easier for the poor people who suffer from this disorder. I recommend using something simple, like a picture of a starling. 
The starling is a widely recognized symbol for neurotypical awareness, and many places are using the starling symbol as a discreet way to let neurotypicals know that they're welcome. The starling as a symbol for the neurotypical community started many years ago when I gave one of my patients a diagnosis of neurotypical disorder. He told me how relieved he was. He said that he found comfort in knowing that he was a normal starling, not a strange eagle after all. I think that was a great metaphor. Eagles, like normal people, are independent and focused, and we choose quality relationships over quantity, which means eagles aren't going to be going around in a big flock. Starlings, on the other hand, are far more neurotypical. They flock in very large groups and they often join together in beautiful murmurations where they can easily blend in with the flock moving as one. This can be incredibly beautiful to see, but just how they instinctively move as one is poorly understood. They seem to enjoy this mass socialization and will form murmurations with hundreds of other starlings before they roost each day for weeks at a stretch. They certainly display some of the mysterious, yet somehow beautiful traits of neurotypicals. So please, display a picture of a starling at your workplace to let everyone know that in this office of eagles, starlings are welcome. So far, I've only been giving general strategies for workplaces who are trying to become more neurotypical friendly, But it's just so useful if you can know exactly who the neurotypicals are in your workplace so that you can change the way you treat them in line with their specific deficits and challenges. One of the difficulties neurotypicals have is that theirs is a hidden disability. They might look like everyone else, and unless we look a little deeper, we might not think that anyone we work with is a little neurodifferent at all. In the first episode of Different, we went through the diagnostic criteria for neurotypical disorder, but sometimes it can be handy to know just a few key signs to look out for so that you can decide for yourself whether someone is a neurotypical without the need for a formal diagnosis. Now, I know some people have said that this kind of armchair psychology is dangerous because you might risk labelling someone incorrectly and treating them in a way that's condescending, discriminatory, or simply out of touch with their humanity. There are also people who worried about unqualified people trying to work out the medical history of another person without their consent. Now, I can see where these arguments come from, and I know they mean well, But how can we help neurotypicals to flourish if we don't know who they are? And neurotypicals can be reluctant to disclose their diagnosis to colleagues and strangers. So with this in mind, I thought it would be helpful to outline some key signs to look for if you think someone at your workplace might be suffering from neurotypical disorder. The first thing you need to ask yourself is, is this person annoying? I know that normal people are usually very logical and analytical about their feelings. Usually, if we feel annoyed, we would think about it for a few hours or days before we could be sure what caused our feelings of annoyance and whether it was anyone's fault at all. And then we use this information to determine how our feelings of annoyance should best be addressed. 
throw in alexithemia, and the process of understanding, evaluating, and planning how to respond can take even longer. But we know that whatever we decide to do in response to our emotion will be the most logical and fair to those involved. Now, I'm asking you to put all this aside and try to respond to any feelings you have in the way a neurotypical would, just for a moment. If you're with a colleague and you start to feel an emotion, label it quickly and blame your emotion solely on the colleague regardless of whether it's fair for them. If you find that you're feeling relaxed and positive, well, that's great. However, if you find that you're feeling annoyed, it's likely that you're being bored by chit-chat, confused by ambiguous communication, or overstimulated in some sensory way. This could just mean that your colleague is neurotypical. Another thing to look out for is in the eyes. Is your colleague trying to stare at your eyeballs? This is classic creepy neurotypical behaviour. Neurotypicals need to be reminded that this eyeball staring is unsettling for most people and strict boundaries should be put in place so that normal people can feel relaxed when interacting with NTs in the workplace. Another sign is frequent breakdowns in communication. Staff might benefit from training in how to phrase things in neurotypically appropriate ways when talking to NT colleagues. It is often a great relief when someone tells you what they are feeling or what they would like you to do or what their thoughts are in a logical, direct manner. Even when someone gives a normal person negative feedback, it will usually be received with some gratitude because how else will we know if we've offended someone or done something wrong if we're not told? This normal style of communication makes life easy because it's how we build a common understanding without confusion or misunderstandings. Most of us take logical, honest and direct communication for granted. It comes so naturally to us that many of us have never really had to think about it much at all. But we really need to start thinking about how our everyday communication might be impacting the neurotypicals around us, especially at work. Neurotypicals struggle immensely with the way most people communicate. It might seem strange, but neurotypical individuals can find direct, honest communication confusing or even offensive. To have a truly inclusive workplace, it can be beneficial for staff to be trained in ways to communicate that are less offensive to our neurotypical colleagues. This might mean learning to use hints or gestures to imply your meaning rather than directly coming out with it. Counterintuitively, it can be a good idea to lie to neurotypicals about certain topics so your relationship can remain positive. For example, if a neurotypical asks you for feedback about any part of their personality, appearance, skill set, knowledge or values, it's usually best to give a response that reinforces to them that they are perfect in every way. It's important for their sense of self-esteem. This can create problems when there are performance issues that need to be discussed with a neurotypical, and in this case, it might be best to engage a speech therapist and a psychologist to help support the neurotypical to cope with discussions about their performance that could be misinterpreted as direct attacks upon them as a human being. 
Another helpful tool is artificial intelligence. This technology is getting better and better and can be used in a range of ways. If you have something that you need to tell a neurotypical person that they might find upsetting if you're too honest or direct with them, you can go online and ask one of the artificial intelligence chatbots for ideas for how to reframe your message and make it more neurotypical friendly. All you need to do is tell the AI what you need to say to your neurotypical colleague and ask it for ideas for how to phrase it in a way that's more neurotypical appropriate. There are a number of online bots that can help you with this, and I've included a link to my favourite in the show notes. Now, another way to tell if your colleague is a bit neurostrange is to check their desk. Are they there? If they are frequently not at their desk, then odds are they're off looking for opportunities to socialise, and you just might be looking at the empty desk of a neurotypical. One last sign of someone in the workplace suffering from neurotypical disorder is the way they behave in meetings. Is there someone who doesn't seem to mind where they sit? Are they confident to give their viewpoints even if they haven't had time to think them through yet? Are they sitting still and looking at whoever is talking? Are they able to listen attentively for long stretches of time without stimming at all? This person could have neurotypical disorder. It's important that we accept the ways they present in meetings and try not to force them to fidget, draw or move around. For neurotypicals, sitting still with quiet hands can be the only way they're able to listen and participate in meetings. Just because they are sitting as still as statues doesn't mean that they're not listening, even if it might appear that way to normal people. Okay, I hope this has given you some insight into the ways to support neurotypical individuals at work and how to spot people suffering from this disorder in the workplace, even when they've chosen not to disclose their disability openly. Don't forget that not every strategy for working with neurotypicals will work for all people in all workplaces. As I always say, if you've met one neurotypical, you've met one neurotypical, and the way you support the NT in your workplace will need to be tailored to their individual challenges and needs. Okay, so this brings me to my favourite part of the episode. It's the part where I get to answer questions sent in by you. And today's question comes from Corinne in East Brunswick. Corinne says, Dear Jane, I work in an office with about 60 staff. I'm the office manager, which means I'm in charge of inducting new staff and making sure they're properly set up for their work. Our office is supposed to be neurotypical friendly, and this is something that HR mentions on every recruitment advertisement when a new role comes up. I know neurotypicals are encouraged to apply for jobs, and they do quite frequently, but I never expected an actual neurotypical person would actually get a job where I work. I was wrong. We have a neurotypical starting in a few weeks who says he's qualified to work in data analysis. I want to provide him the support he needs, but I have no idea where to start. Please help. Corinne, I'm glad you reached out. This is a very delicate situation that needs to be managed well. The more support, management and supervision you can provide to this new recruit, the less chance there is of him disrupting the workplace with his challenging behaviours. 
My advice? Get him working the front desk or the phones, somewhere where he can have plenty of interaction with other people. I know he's technically qualified to work in data analysis, but unfortunately, being neurotypical means that his skill set naturally tends towards outward-facing customer service roles. He will feel better in a role where he can use his natural strengths, and he'll be more efficient and productive if he's in a role where he can meet some of his social needs while he's ticking off his KPIs. Oh, and one more thing. Ask him to organise the Christmas party. Neurotypical individuals will be highly motivated to do this. Not only will it give your colleague an outlet for his neediness when it comes to human interaction, but it will also make good use of his above-average executive functioning skills. Neurotypicals are really good at making plans and seeing those plans through. So make use of the positive parts of his spiky profile and let him shine by organising the office Christmas party. Thanks for writing, Corinne. Now, if you have a question about neurotypical disorder or if you'd like to suggest a topic for this podcast, feel free to get in touch. My details are in the show notes. Well, that's it for today's episode of Different. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.